Jesse Kelly show. Let's have some fun on a Monday and it is going to be fun. Yeah, I understand. We burnt down another empire. I get that. Ours is embarrassing, but we are going to have fun tonight. Why? Well, we're going to have a bit of a journey on the Jesse Kelly show this evening. You're mad about Afghanistan. You're mad about how Joe Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan. Mad about this. Mad about that. Oh, I get all that. We're going to talk tonight about what's happening there, why it's happening there, and why you shouldn't let this stuff shock you anymore. I mean, did you hear Joe Biden today? I stand squarely behind my decision. After 20 years, I've learned the hard way that there was never a good time to withdraw U.S. forces. Yeah. Joe Biden got up there. I did everything right. Don't worry about it. Uh, kind of Donald Trump's fault for the most part. Uh, probably the Afghani people's fault, too. Anyway, I'm not taking any questions. Back to vacation. That's what he did. The choice I had to make as your president was either to follow through on that agreement or be prepared to go back to fighting the Taliban in the middle of the spring fighting season. That's Donald Trump's fault. And what's happening today is after all the outrage built up over the weekend, people are so mad. Look at what's happening in Afghanistan. Where's Joe Biden? He had been on vacation. He gets up, gives that speech, takes no questions, and then takes off. Goes right back to Camp David and it's announced he won't be back for a few days. Just takes off and people are outraged. You shouldn't be outraged. You shouldn't be shocked. I mean, outrage, I guess, maybe, but you shouldn't be shocked. All that is coming tonight. It's going to be a journey here on the Jesse Kelly Show. We have a special Medal of Honor Monday tonight. That'll be one hour from now. We also, I promised you this on Friday, but then we had a Green Beret on instead. Tonight, we have the CIA counterterrorist officer coming on in where he was in Afghanistan to break some stuff down for you. But first and foremost, let's begin at the beginning. Well, that's actually not true. Let's begin at the end. You're mad about Joe Biden's speech today. Joe Biden gets up. People have been wondering where he is for days. We can't hear from the president. Afghanistan's crumbling. Ah. And then he gets up and he gives this speech where he points fingers at Donald Trump. It was Trump's fault. I can't do it. It's not my problem. Turns and leaves. And the, the shock out there is amazing. Allow me to make you feel better or make you feel worse, depending on how, how you're doing right now. Stop being shocked. You're shocked right now by the ineptitude of this government, by how terrible Joe Biden is, by how embarrassing our military leadership is. You're shocked at all these things. Stop. You can be mad about all these things. Stop being shocked. Life is all about, all about expectations. Expectations. If I, if I'm out there dating and I start talking to a woman online and I find out she's 45 with six kids, five different dads, wants to meet me later on for dinner. I'm going to have a lower level of expectations than I would for somebody else, right? 
And therefore, if I set my bar right, if I set my expectation level where it should be, I shouldn't be disappointed. Here is a bitter hard truth for you as we dig into why all this stuff has happened and how it happened and whatnot. Here is the truth. You don't get to pick the period of history in which you live. Neither do I. We were stuck. Look, this is the one God gave us. You, you're an American, but you are in the middle of a late-stage empire. Late-stage empire. We are not early. We are certainly not at our peak. We have crested that mountaintop, and we are heading down towards the bottom. Pretty rapidly, I might add, but we're heading down towards the bottom. I don't expect you to be happy about that, but I do expect you to adjust your expectations and accept that's the period of time you've been given. The president of the United States, after the United States was just embarrassed on the world stage, standing up on camera, taking no questions, and blaming the last guy, yeah, it's embarrassing. It is. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's passing the buck. It's immature. It's not what you'd want a statesman or a leader to do. Yeah, all those things are true. But it's exactly what you'd expect out of a late-stage empire. Empires rise and empires fall. You, especially your parents and grandparents, have gotten to luxuriate and live in the greatest country on earth, the greatest superpower, the wealthiest, everything, the technology. Your kids, very likely, and their kids definitely, are not going to live in that country. They're not. That's That sucks. I realize that's, a bit, that's right between the eyes, but again, I'm not your mommy. I'm your daddy. That's how it is. When you get to late-stage empires, you've already gotten rich, and then you got fat, and then you got bored, and then you got decadent as moral decline starts to really settle into a nation. Only here's the thing. You've all, that's all you've ever known. That's all, all these nations who've gone through this. That's all they've ever known. So you don't see the rot I've been warning you about until, bam, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you're embarrassed on the world stage. The world's mocking us today. And pointing fingers at us, you don't know until you na- get nationally embarrassed. And then you wake up and say, oh, my gosh, how did this happen? Well, it's inevitable. That's another thing I want you to feel better about today. Yeah, it's here, but it's inevitable. This is not somehow unique to the United States of America. You pick me the great empires of old, the great superpowers of old, you will be able to trace them going through this exact same problem. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's the Ottomans, the Romans, the Persians, the various Chinese dynasties, all, all of them. They all follow the pattern once you get too rich, too fat, too soft, too decadent. You, you lose your edge. And yet there's always someone out there with an edge ready to knock you off and you never think it can happen to you until, bam, the barbarians are at the gates and it's happening to you. No, the United States of America is not over because the Taliban are taking over Afghanistan. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I've been warning you for a long time. You know I have. How long have I been warning you about the internal rot of our system? 
and how all your cultural pillars, they're actually crumbling. You just don't feel it yet because you're not free-falling yet. But when they crumble, they'll crumble at once, and you will get to see it, and it will shock people. And that's one of the things you're seeing here. How can the greatest superpower on Earth just pull out of a country and leave all of our gear behind? We left them javelin missiles. We, we left them armored vehicles. The, 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 the Taliban right now, they own more Black Hawk helicopters than 166 nations on the planet because of us. We not only left. Okay, that's fine. Good. I'm glad we left. We left them all our gear. <laughs> not only did we leave them all of our gear, we left something like 10,000 U.S. citizens there. Just left them too. And I talked to a source today, an inside source who would know, and I'll have to leave it that way. And he said, look, the Biden administration, they simply believed the Taliban would allow us to evacuate our people slowly before they moved in to take everything over. Now, right now, you're raising your hands and bashing your head off the radio and saying, what? How could they be so dumb? How could this happen? You want to know how it could happen? I'll tell you how it could happen in just a moment. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and yes, it's going to be a great night no matter what. Yeah, being nationally embarrassed, well, internationally embarrassed is not the best feeling in the world, but what what can you and I do about it? We're but cogs in the wheel, are we not? Don't forget, we have former CIA counterterrorist guy from Afghanistan, Drew Berkowitz, coming up a little over one hour from now. Maybe I'll take some calls later, but you and I are going on a little journey tonight. All right, we talked in the first segment about, on a macro level, America following the same pattern nations have always followed once they get super powerful and fat and rich and bored. Well, look, you aren't led by leaders. Now, that's, that's the truth of it, because we don't produce leaders anymore. Because the people in positions of leadership they're not looking for leaders to replace them. I had a very inside source, I think I've told you this before, tell me all those great admirals we had in the Navy from World War II, not one of them could make it past lieutenant today. What have I been telling you about the rot within the military? I mean, you heard you heard General Milley. Um, you heard him when he went before Congress. This was just, uh, I believe this was in June. This was in June. Here's Milley before Congress. I do think it's important, actually. Uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused... He wants to understand white rage. He doesn't, he doesn't want to understand how to get out of Afghanistan and, you know, bring the missiles with us. But he wants to understand white rage. And what did I tell you when I was explaining why this stuff is so important in the military? Why all the woke garbage is so important? How do we have enough trans people? Why women on naval ships and front com- frontline combat units is a disaster and it's important and no one else will talk about that? Why all this stuff is important? What did I say? Time is finite. There's only so much of it. 
if other countries around the world are occupied fully with killing us and we're occupied halfway, if that with killing them and the other half we're trying to make sure we're gay friendly in the military, well, then we're going to die. We're not going to make it. This is this stuff happens over time. A national, well, international embarrassment like this, it takes time. 20 years, 20 years in Afghanistan, and wrap your mind around this, the Taliban right now, as you are listening to the sound of my voice, right now the Taliban hold more territory now than they did when we first got there like, 20 years ago. You know that? Not only that, they're all shooting American M4s, flying American Black Hawks at this point in time, driving American armored vehicles in possession of several drones that cost $4 million each, by the way, all Americans. How could this happen? It doesn't make sense. Surely we have all these experts and leaders and generals and senators, and surely, no, we don't. That's what I'm trying to tell you tonight about our nation, about our crumbling empire, about our late-stage republic. You don't have these people anymore. How could Dr. Fauci, the supposed to be the leading medical man, how could he get everything so wrong? You don't have leading medical men anymore. They don't exist. You want to believe they exist because it gives you and I a sense of security out there. Well, maybe Democrat versus Republican. For I, All that stuff aside, I at least know there's a really smart general out there who's going to step in with his military expertise, and he's going to straighten these people out. No, he's not. That was 50 years ago. In this day and age, these guys, they're all looking out for themselves. They're all looking out to prolong that career. I want to keep being a general. You know what a general gets? Do you know the life these generals live, especially these Washington types? Second homes paid for, drivers paid for, secretaries, team of people around him at all times. You want to give that up? And then the second he's done being a general, he'll take a 20-minute break being a general, go sit on the board at Raytheon, make a couple million a year, go right back to being a general. Do you think he wants to give it up? Remember what I've been telling you about coronavirus. Do you really think Dr. Fauci wants coronavirus to end? Let's see. He's one of the most famous men in America now. Not a single one of you knew his name a year and a half ago. Of course he doesn't want it to end. These generals don't want this disaster to end. We have nothing but corruption building on top of corruption building on top of corruption. I mean, look, Joe Biden... You're, you can get away with saying things like this. This was Joe Biden, oh, I think a couple months ago. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No. No, they're not going to take over. Haven't you heard? They're not going to take over. Except they are. They rule the entire country. These are some headlines here. And I think it's time you and I had another talk about why we should actually feel better about things. Currently, we are redeploying troops, three to 5,000, depending on what numbers you believe, to try to protect the American citizens who still aren't evacuated yet. The Taliban, as you and I, as you're listening to the sound of my voice right now, Taliban are going door to door. No, they're not selling vacuum cleaners. They're going door to door to grab anybody who helped us out so they can take them out of there, torture them, and chop their heads off. Right now, women... In, in Afghanistan, 
You know, all that I am women, hear me roar, women are oppressed crap you hear from every entity in America today. Right now, women in Afghanistan are faced with the prospect they're about to be treated like cattle. They're marrying off 12-year-olds by force to Taliban fighters. 12-year-old girls. Hello, sir. Give me your daughter now. We're going to force her to be a slave in the most horrible ways. What you're seeing right now, what you're really seeing right now across the pond is how the other half lives. You and I don't know about that other half because we live here in the United States of America. Two big oceans, great Navy, all this wealth, all this stuff. We think this is how life really is. That's how life really is. And everything you're seeing now, it's, it, you just happen to be seeing it on social media. You see the pictures and the videos and all the terrible stuff. All the stuff you're seeing now, it's how a lot of people around the world live every single day of their lives. Except we don't appreciate what we have. We don't. And that's why I brought this up before. Why do you think people really talk about their pronouns here? And can I change genders and all this stupid idiocy we talk about now? We're bored. Not a single person in Afghanistan is worried about their pronouns at this moment. Do you know that? Why? Because they actually have real problems. So they don't sit and invent new ones and invent mental health problems and try to come up with new ways they can focus on themselves because they're trying not to get their fingernails pulled out in a dungeon somewhere. What you're seeing now is inevitable. It's the inevitable decline of a nation. This is an embarrassment on the world stage. It is. It's an embarrassment to our allies. Our enemies are licking their chops. I have to get to this China stuff about that in a moment. But I have something else you need to hear about it. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Chris, I don't think we have to play that song right now, do we? Good grief. (laughs) Look, there's something else I have to tell you. It's an international embarrassment. Yes, we look terrible to all the world right now. China, China actually came out and said, hey, Taiwan's looking pretty good right about now. And as you all can see, America ain't going to do anything about it. I mean, it's internationally embarrassing. Everyone knows it. And I have some bad news. This is not going to be the last time we're internationally embarrassed. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, but Jesse, surely we're going to fix some things, right? Surely, I mean, surely we're going to change this kind of military leadership, and surely the military's going to get things back together, right? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers, of being, quote, woke or something else. <laughs> that was General Milley. That was General Milley defending all this stuff. We're going to change this, right? Surely we're embarrassed and we're going to change this? No. No, you must understand. You don't have patriots in leadership anymore. You're going to get embarrassed again because they're not really embarrassed. Yeah, they don't want to take the political losses they're going to take from it. Ah, They're not thrilled about the latest poll numbers. Joe Biden stood up, gave a 10-minute speech, blamed Donald Trump, and went back on vacation. Do you think they care? They don't care. 
They don't care. They don't love the country. We stopped teaching generations of Americans to love the country. This was generation after generation after generation. Remember, patriotism is not just something you do on the side. It's an essential ingredient for a nation. If you love your nation, you will serve it. You, have a, you feel like you have a duty to it, trying to improve it. If you're taught to hate it, you feel like you have a duty to bring it down. When you point out huge failures like this, they're not going back to the drawing board and saying, oh, guys, we look so bad today. You know, let's get a meeting and we got to change directions here as a country. This is not going well. They They have meetings right now for sure. It's all about the latest poll numbers and buzzwords. Did you catch that misdirection act Biden gave today? Biden gets up there and Biden basically says, look, I wanted to leave Afghanistan. That's why I left. I'm defending myself. I didn't make the wrong decision. I left Afghanistan. That's why he said that. Well, people are screaming and saying, we know everyone wanted to leave Afghanistan. Our problem is, is the unprofessional, idiotic way you did it. Biden knows. He knows that's what you're mad about. He knows you're mad about the incompetence shown by him and our military leadership in the way they pulled it out and left all our gear there. They know that's what you're mad about. But let me tell you, you ever get in a fight with your wife or your husband? Ladies, I'm going to point you out because you're the ones who do this the most. You ever get in a fight with your wife? If I go home tonight, I get in an argument with my wife. Let's say we got a leaking roof. Please, Lord, don't let us have a leaking roof. Let's say we have a leaking roof. We have water dripping in the house. Things are rotting and molding. And I come home, we've only got your five, six hundred bucks to spend on something. And the wife says, well, I want, an, I want a new stove. And I said, well, is there something wrong with the old stove? No, but I want a new one. And I say, I think we should take our $500 and fix the roof, don't you? At some point in that argument, she's going to realize she's wrong. And what's she going to do? Not my mine probably won't do this, but what, what's she going to do? Everyone's got a woman like this. What's she going to do? She's going to change the subject. Well, I don't like how you said that to me. Why did you speak that way to me? I don't like your tone. Soon you're defending your tone. Soon you're stuck there defending something that was totally not the original point of the argument. Why? That's what people do when they've lost. Joe Biden knows. He knows for a fact you're happy to leave Afghanistan, and he knows for a fact you're mad about the idiotic way they did it. He went up there and acted like he's only defending the decision to leave because he's changing the subject on you. They all know. Everyone knows. The truth is Afghanistan has been a disaster from the beginning. And look, let's get real here. George Bush is responsible for this. Barack Obama is responsible for this. Donald Trump is responsible for this. And don't you dare email me and say, not Trump. I still got my Trump pom-poms on. Buddy, you can love Trump. I love Trump. He was a great president. Donald Trump was the commander-in-chief. We were in Afghanistan when he got in, and we were in Afghanistan when he got out. Stop. Bush, Obama, Trump, Biden, all responsible. You know who else is responsible? And this is driving me nuts. More people aren't talking about it. The military, not the men and women on the ground. All those generals with all those fancy ribbons on their chest, Petraeus and all of them. How many fancy generals and fancy medals have we put in charge of Afghanistan? And what did they say? 
What do they say to presidents, all presidents, for 20 years? I just need a little more time. I I need more troops. The training's going very well. We have this 300,000-person Afghan army. They are ready to take on the Taliban. And then they fold like a cheap suit five minutes into the conflict. Just gave the Taliban everything. Didn't even fight and lose. Just gave it all away. Why? Because we don't have military leadership anymore either. We don't have political leadership. We don't have statesmen. We don't have military leadership. We don't have corporate leadership. Have a bunch of greedy scumbags with their hands out to China. If the Chinese landed 20 divisions on the California shores tomorrow, America's Fortune 500 companies would be fighting with them by the time the first day was over. Because you don't have patriotism anymore as a nation. Because you didn't teach it. Now, again, back to what I was talking about in the beginning. That makes us a late-stage empire. It doesn't make us unique. This is what happens. And this is where we go from here. From here, the rot will continue. Name me, if you don't think it will, name me this. Name me the one Republican in the United States of America at any level, state, federal, governor, I don't care. Name me the Republican who has publicly talked about the disaster of women on naval vessels, women on deployed naval vessels. Name me the Republican. I want, you know what? 877-377-4373. On my, on my life, I will put you on the air tonight if you can name me one Republican in the United States of America who's come out and admitted women on naval vessels is a mistake. Okay, I think the answer to that is zero. Now, consider this. Every single person with any knowledge of the matter knows women on naval vessels was a mistake. Everyone. Every single one. Yet not one person will speak publicly about it. Does that sound like a nation that's on the cusp of recovery? Does that sound like we're about to turn this thing around? Or does that sound like we're fully committed to the nosedive, baby? We are fully committed to the nosedive because we're fully committed to lies. How many parents do you see out there today with a mask on their child? We have a year and a half of data showing coronavirus is not a danger for children. Your child's at more of a danger of getting stung by a bee. Not kidding. Of, be- of dying from a bee sting. I'm not kidding. And yet you have parents across the United States of America and schools slapping a face diaper on your child. We're fully committed to the lies now. You aren't. You're going to keep speaking the truth. I'll keep speaking the truth with you. But we are a nation now, as all late-stage empires are, fully committed to the lies. And we'll continue to lie to ourselves and lie to ourselves and lie to ourselves because now we're in such a drug-induced stupor as a country, there's nothing you could do to shake America awake. This thing, this debacle, this embarrassment, it didn't wake anybody up who leads this nation. It didn't shake any of them to their core. Biden's still president. Kamala's still vice president. All those scumbag CEOs are there. Professors are there. They're all still there. They're all going to have their little honey holes yesterday, today, and tomorrow. They're not shocked. You're shocked because you're a patriot. They're not shocked. That's not to dishearten you. It's to wake you up. We are a late-stage empire following the same pattern they all have. Speaking of late-stage empires... Have you seen the inflation? I know you have because you've seen it at the gas pump. You've seen it at the grocery store. These consumer prices. I know you've seen it across the board. 
You understand having some gold is essential to protecting yourself. You don't know how bad this thing's going to go because nobody does. Nobody does. Nobody has the crystal ball and and can tell exactly how far this is going to dive, but we know it's not about to reverse. Even the propaganda artists aren't saying that. Get some real gold from Oxford Gold Group. No, not, not gold kept in a vault for you somewhere. Gold delivered to your doorstep. You open up that safe of yours. You should see a gun, some cash, and some gold. Call Oxford Gold Group today, and they've promised me they will take good care of my listeners, so you tell them Jesse told you to call. 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-GOLD. Call Oxford Gold Group today. Truth. Attitude. Jesse Kelly. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday. We'll get to your emails, maybe some phone calls here in a little bit. We have former counter-terrorist agent, my buddy Drew Berkowitz, coming up about 50 minutes from now. Talk a little bit more about Afghanistan. Again, these people are not sitting down like you and I are and assessing the state of our nation and what did we do wrong and how did we do I mean, do you want to know? You want the perfect example of what these people are feeling right now? This is the State Department talking to the Taliban. They just put this statement out. I want you to listen to this. Do these, as you listen to this, do these sound like people who are soberly reassessing their worldview? Is that what this sounds like to you? The UN Security Council issued a joint press statement earlier today calling for a new government that is united, inclusive, and representative, including with the full and full and meaningful participation of women. The council spoke with one voice to underscore that Afghanistan must abide by its international obligations, including to international humanitarian law, and ensure the safety and security of all Afghans and international citizens. <laughs> yeah, of course. The fundamentalist Islamic regime, those women are going to, of course, of course the women are going to be treated well. No, there aren't going to be any human rights abuses. The Taliban are very, very concerned about the UN. And look, international law. Everyone knows the Taliban wake up every morning and they believe in two things, finding a goat to make love to and international law. Those are the two things they're most worried about. Good grief. Where do we find these people? And if it seems to you, if it seems to you like your nation is run by a bunch of academics who've never, ever, ever been introduced to the real world, that's because it is. That's because it is. And get this, not only have they not been introduced to the real world, not only are they only academics, they're academics who've been taught that America sucks. Why do you think, you, you think this is Biden? Remember, Obama's foreign policy was consistently a disaster too. Always seemed to be underestimating some evil Islamic regime somewhere. Always seemed to be caught with his pants down. That's because these people don't view the evils of the world as the evils of the world. They think America is the evils of the world. They do. That's how these people think. And look, politically, it's obviously a terrible moment for Biden. Let's get into a little bit of this. I already told you about the Taliban conducting door-to-door searches looking for collaborators. Here's a tough story. I'm sorry, but we're going to bring you some of the tough ones, the ones I can read here. This one's from John Lonsdale. Quote, 
An Afghani interpreter I have come to know well over the years was hung in the streets last night. They melted his DOD ID into his chest, cut off his arms, and killed his whole family. Welcome to how the other half lives. And let me clarify here. No, we weren't going to stay in Afghanistan forever. It was time to go. It was long past time to go in Afghanistan. Long past time to go. But if you make the decision to go, you take the equipment with you. You take the weapons and equipment with you. How are we not getting this? How are we not? How, how are we that inept? Because we don't have leadership anymore. We're a late stage empire, a late stage republic. We don't have leadership. It doesn't exist. You must look to yourself. You're the leadership we need. Why do you think I keep encouraging you to run for office? I don't care if it's just school board, city council, whatever the case may be, run for office. Why? Look at the morons who run this country. You may think to yourself, you're not qualified. They're not qualified. You're qualified. These people are not qualified to lead anything. We're negotiating with the Taliban to avoid an embassy attack. You see, yesterday, we had to take down the American flag from the embassy in Kabul, and we flew it out of Afghanistan. We still have personnel on the ground. There are still journalists, American and international, on the ground. There are American citizens all over the place. And, and Afghanistan fell so fast, way faster than the Biden idiots thought it was going to fat, uh, fall, that we, st- we didn't have a plan to get these people out. And if all this is simply seeming like these people don't know what goes on in the real world, it's because they don't. We spent $2.5 trillion and thousands of American lives, and the truth is the Taliban are going to come out of this better and stronger than they ever have before. And there are a lot of people who have to own that. A lot of people have to own that. The generals do. The presidents do. People have to own that. If we don't have an honest accounting of a 20-year failure, well, then we're never going to fix anything. All right, that's enough for now. You see this, Chris? Uh, uh, Cafe, there's a cafe out there. It's in Scotland. They have a Peppa Pig ad. Peppa Pig, some some kid's cartoon. Believe me, you don't want to find out. You don't want to find out. Just take it from me. Parents are out there. They're saying it's traumatizing for their kids because they're using the Peppa Pig ad to advertise a bacon sandwich. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, it's just a funny story, but it I, honestly, it goes perfectly well with what we've been talking about here about how the other half lives. I want you to think about something here and think about it well. There are kids all over the world, all over the, you know what, let's focus on Afghanistan. We're talking about that tonight. There are kids all over the world who've seen multiple dead human bodies by the time they're 10. Now, you don't want that for your kids, right? I don't want that for my kids. I'm not out there. Hey, look, kids, a car wreck. Let's go see if we can't find the dead guy. You don't want that for your kids, and I don't either. But we've gone so far the other way, we have sheltered ourselves into being soft and naive about how the world works. I could, if I wanted to, instantly produce some of the most vicious hate mail to the show ever. And we always get hate mail, as you know. What would I do? I could go out tomorrow and shoot a deer, one that I'm going to eat, 
and pose with a picture of it on online, and I would get more hate mail that day than I've ever had in the history of the show. Over a deer. It's a big rat with antlers. Why? Because we're so soft and cushy and rich and decadent. We've moved on past protecting humans. We spend our time whining about animals now. It's not good. We're not done. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Look, before we get to Medal of Honor Monday, which I'm going to do in about 30 seconds here. One, remember we have our counter-terrorist guy coming on about 25 minutes from now. Two, experts. You and I want to believe there are experts in charge of this country. We have a bunch of military guys, generals, fancy generals. They're experts. Really? Here's one of your experts who was asked why in the world we left millions and millions and millions of dollars in deadly equipment to the people we've been fighting for 20 years here was his answer. General, has the U.S. military conducted any airstrikes today or in the last 24 hours or so? And also, there have been some reports of Afghan pilots um, flying their aircraft into other countries. Um, is that happening? And is the U.S. taking any other sort of steps to prevent aircraft or other military equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban? Yeah. First on the uh, first question on the strikes. Um, no, no strikes have been conducted in the last uh, 24 hours, but uh, the commander on the ground continues uh, to maintain that capability if required uh, to do so. Uh, the commander has the assets uh, that are available uh, there at HKI and in support uh, from other areas of, of the region. Um, I, I don't have information on the, uh, your second part of the question, uh, but uh, we'll get back to them. So there's no, no U.S. actions being taken to prevent equipment from falling into the hands of the Taliban by destroying it or anything else? I don't have the, that answer to that question. Well, no, he doesn't have the answer to that question. He's only a major general. You don't have experts anymore. You don't. They don't exist. Not in any field because you don't have the institutions necessary to produce experts anymore. You don't have medical experts anymore. You have lackeys who will choose to do and say what the system says, or you have enemies of the regime. That's you and I who choose to think for ourselves. That's enough icky for now. We'll get back to that. It's time for what we do every week, Medal of Honor Monday, where we read a Medal of Honor citation we have read this one before on the show. I thought to honor the men and women who bled over there, I thought it would be good to read this one again today. Do keep the men and women who fought and bled in Afghanistan, do keep them in your prayers right now. They are going through it. There's a moment everyone has, while well, a lot of combat troops have, and they're going through it. I'll describe that moment in a moment. But first... Let's go with the Medal of Honor citation for one Robert J. Miller. His buddies knew him as Robbie, by the way. January 25th, 2008. Staff Sergeant Robert J. Miller distinguished himself by extraordinary acts of heroism while serving as the weapons sergeant in Special Forces Operational Detachment Alpha 3312 Special Operations Task Force 33 Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force 
Afghanistan during combat operations against an armed en- enemy in Konar Province, Afghanistan on January 25, 2008. While conducting a combat reconnaissance patrol through the Gawardesh Valley, Staff Sergeant Miller and his small element of U.S. and Afghan National Army soldiers engaged a force of 15 to 20 insurgents occupying prepared fighting positions. Staff Sergeant Miller initiated the assault by engaging enemy positions with his vehicle turret-mounted Mark 19 40mm automatic grenade launcher while simultaneously providing detailed descriptions of the enemy positions to his command, enabling effective, accurate close-air support. Following the engagement, Staff Sergeant Miller led a small squad forward to conduct a battle assessment, battle damage assessment. As the group neared the small, steep, narrow valley that the enemy had inhabited, a large, well-coordinated insurgent force initiated a near ambush, assaulting from elevated positions with ample cover. Exposed and with little available cover, the patrol was taken was totally vulnerable to enemy rocket-propelled grenades and automatic weapons fire. As point man, Staff Sergeant Miller was at the front of the patrol, cut off from supporting elements, and less than 20 meters away from enemy forces. Nonetheless, with total disregard for his own safety, he called for his men to quickly move back to covered positions as he charged the enemy over exposed ground and under overwhelming enemy fire in order to provide protective fire for his team. While maneuvering to engage the enemy, Staff Sergeant Miller was shot in his upper torso. Ignoring the wound, he continued to push the fight, moving to draw fire from 100 enemy enemy fighters upon himself. He then again charged forward through an open area in order to allow his teammates to safely reach cover. After killing at least 10 insurgents, wounding dozens more, and repeatedly exposing himself to withering enemy fire while moving from position to position, Staff Sergeant Miller was mortally wounded by enemy fire. His extraordinary valor ultimately saved the lives of seven members of his own team and 15 Afghanistan National Army soldiers. Staff Sergeant Miller's heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty and at the cost of his own life are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself and the United States Army. You see, there's something happening extra awful over the past few days. There are a lot of men who went to Afghanistan and fought. And it was a brutal, brutal fight from the very beginning. And no, I'm not talking about the guys who staple papers or scramble eggs. I'm talking about the people who pick up a weapon, leave the base, and go die. A lot of them have gone over there. They've seen their buddies blown up and shot and killed, and it's just terrible. And that Look, I understand. That's combat. And what's happening now, and I'm seeing a lot of this. I'm texting with them, and I'm seeing a lot of it is these guys are hurting right now. They're hurting because they're realizing none of their leaders have their back. None of their leaders ever had their back. These families who lost people are seeing this news and they're in anguish right now. It's one thing. Imagine losing your husband as a young wife. Imagine losing your dad, losing a son, the pain that comes with that, and then finding out, Oh my gosh, it was all for nothing. The Taliban are just going to take over. Are you Imagine that pain. And let me explain something to you. I had my own moment like this when it came to Iraq and stuff like that. I remember when we were we were invading Iraq and at one point in time during the war, 
we put up our American flags. We're a bunch of young Marines, really proud to be fighting for the country, proud to be part of that tradition. We put up our American flags. We were then given strict orders. This was under George Bush, by the way. We were then given strict orders to take down all American flags. And we were obviously angry, confused. We asked, uh, excuse me, um, we're over here fighting and dying for our country. What do you mean take down your American flags? We don't want to look like a conquering army to the locals. That was a wake-up call for many of us. That was a wake-up call for many of us that we are not led by lions. We're not led by people who know what, what they're doing. We're not led by people who value the sacrifice and the blood of the men who go out there and die. We are not. We're led by a bunch of scumbag politicians and defense contractors and, and generals who are politicians. When I say politicians, just assume generals are in there too because they almost always are. We're led by a bunch of self-interested sociopaths who will do anything to advance their own careers including watch your brothers die in the field. That's the truth. And I'm sorry to hit that right between the eyes like that, but that's the real truth. You don't have leaders. You don't have leaders out there. You have bumbling fools. You have people unworthy of being general, unworthy of being called commander-in-chief. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. There's going to be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Ah, oh, except that's exactly what happened. Shoot, we even had to airlift out the flag. We couldn't even drive the flag out of town. We had to wrap up the American flag and fly it out by Hilo. The entire, the entire system that leads us right now as a nation is broken. We must fix it. And there are actually big things going on in the world that don't involve Afghanistan, and we are going to dig into one of those at the moment, and yikes. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Uh, let's let's keep in mind tonight. Remember, we have our counterterrorism agent coming up in ten minutes. Gosh, that's cool, Chris. You know you can get business cards printed with anything you want on them, right? I you ask if I'm going to do it. I've considered many different options for getting a business card. I don't need business cards printed. I've considered getting business cards printed with just my picture on them, and just. Handing those out, and I mean no writing at all, not even my name. Just here you go, here's a picture of me. I've considered handing out business cards with the Shogun on there, because everyone knows that's my nick, one of my nicknames. What, Chris? I've considered them with the Oracle. Uh, Jay Steele Kelly's always in there. Jay Steele Kelly the third is always in there. I keep forgetting I've added one of those third things on there. Uh, Sombrero Jesse, maybe for Cinco de Mayo. I miss Sombrero Jesse. Sombrero Jesse, for those not aware of how I gave myself that nickname, we were doing a history story one time about Billy the Kid, and one of his criminal mentors early in his life was named Sombrero Jack. We obviously chose to take on that nickname because that's what Billy would have wanted. <laughs> see, Chris Chris, see, Chris is 12 years old, so he didn't remember why we went to Afghanistan to begin with and why didn't we just take the place. Understand this. Afghanistan isn't really 
isn't really a nation like you think of it. Afghanistan is a region. It's a bunch of different tribes. Afghanistan and Iraq are hugely different places that people always think they, they lump them in together. I, I, Iraq was a place that was used to being run by a dictator. You have a real Shia versus Sunni Muslim thing going on over there. Saddam Hussein was the one who murdered enough, murdered enough people to bring the country together and keep peace. Now, when I say keep peace, I've been inside of one of Saddam Hussein's torture rooms before. Eh, there are different definitions of keeping peace, all right? But he was the one who, who was in charge. There's never been anybody in charge of Afghanistan since Genghis Khan. So Chris asked, well, why didn't we just take Afghanistan? One, why do we want it? I'm not trying to be mean, but what's there? It's a mountainous dump. That's one. Two, we're not ready. We're not mentally ready. And I don't know that we should be morally ready to take any place. You see, Americans, and we've talked about this before. Americans, we have this very American view of foreign policy now that our experts have been losers for this long. We think that our soldiers, they all look like Captain America. And we think you can go fight wars and just just pick out just the bad guys. Oh, no, 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 don't, don't hurt that innocent person or none of these innocent people. Just single out the bad guys and go get them. No, war is horrific violence. It's carnage and the innocent die in droves just like the troops do. That's war. Now, if you're willing to set aside all morality, then you can win as many wars as you can possibly imagine with American technology. We probably could take Afghanistan. It would be relatively simple, most likely. You would gather around every village area, and on the loudspeaker, you would inform everybody there that you will lay down your arms and come out and submit to America, where we will then probably enslave you and use you as slave labor— or you can choose to resist, and then we will drop a 40,000-pound bomb on your village and kill every man, woman, and child in there. Oh, you could have taken it. That's what Genghis Khan did. He did the 1200s version of that, rode around with his amazing army, the greatest armed force that ever lived, and he rode up to the various cities and simply said, Hey, Afghanistan, I like it. I think I'll take it. You want me in charge, right? I mean, you do, because if you don't, I'll kill everybody. And oftentimes, he just simply killed everybody. It's a myth nobody's ever taken Afghanistan. Genghis Khan did by killing everyone, anyone who didn't submit to him completely. Now, are you morally ready to do that? You've seen all those videos and TV and, and, and pictures in the past few days. Are you ready to kill every man, woman, and child you see in those videos? I would venture to guess the answer is no. Then don't go to war because that's what war is. The last time we won one, and no, somebody wrote me about Desert Storm, the first one. No, I'm not talking about Desert Storm. The last time we won one of any significance was World War II. Weird, because that's the last time we bombed cities to rubble. You don't like that. I don't like that. But we have to set aside our Hollywood, Americanized vision of what war is. It's not pretty. It's awful. You remember, you know what? I'm going to do another history story on that this week. Our Japanese, speaking of World War II, the Japanese campaign, and a lot of the islands like Saipan, this is one of the big ones because Saipan was getting closer and closer to the mainland of Japan. There were all these civilians, Japanese civilians on the island, women and kids. And you do know that your Marines and your Army guys who you love to celebrate, they're World War II veterans, and you should 
you know they would walk up to caves with women and children in there and throw grenades in there, right? Because there were also troops in there hiding with them who were going to kill them and their buddies if they went in after them. You don't talk about that side of war. You don't see that side of war in movies. You don't. You don't. Because people don't want to think about their own guys like that. So what it's done is it's given people, it's given people uh, this weird Hollywood version of what war is. I'm not encouraging you to watch all the ugly, ugly videos that are, that are about to come out from Afghanistan over the coming weeks as people get their heads chopped off and public executions. It'll be really bad. And it'll all be broadcast online because that's what these people do. I'm not encouraging you to put that stuff in your head. I got, enough, I got enough stuff in my head, believe me. But I am telling you, that's what war looks like. That's what it looks like. It does. That's what it looks like. You don't like that. I don't like that because war is awful. Anyone who tells you otherwise has never been in one. They've never heard a shot fired in anger. War is absolutely awful. So use it very, very sparingly, but when you use it, you better be in it all the way. This stupid hearts and minds thing doesn't work. You want to make another culture your culture? Go wipe theirs out and build yours there. That's the only way to do it. They already have a culture. Maybe it's a great one. Maybe it's a dirty, disgusting one. But they have one, and they don't want yours, or they would already have yours. We don't get that. We want our cake And we want to eat it too, as the saying goes, when it comes to war. I want to fight the good fight and take on the enemy and and defeat evil. Oh, oh, don't hurt any kids. That's not how it works. That's not how it works at all. You really want to make that omelet? Be dang sure you want to make that omelet. Are you craving an omelet? You better think an omelet is the only thing you can eat on this earth. Because I promise you, you want to eat that omelet, you want to make it, You're going to break some eggs. In Afghanistan, we took a very tribal region. Like I said, it's not even a nation. We took a tribal region, and we tried to win hearts and minds. I mean, these these statements that are coming out right now, they're shocking. Win hearts and minds. The U.S. is in constructive talks with the Taliban trying to reach a political settlement. A political settlement? These people acknowledge power, and that's all they acknowledge. A political settlement was one you could have reached when you still had the power to stop them. Now, you sit back and take your medicine. Welcome. This is the real world. You're not in academia anymore. Time to talk to a counterterrorism agent. Next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and, well, you've heard me talk about it enough. Let's talk to one of the smart people who was actually there. My buddy Drew Berquist was a counterterrorism agent. Gosh, how cool is that? CIA counterterrorism guy, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Drew, all right, buddy, look, look, I've run my mouth for an hour and a half about this whole thing. Explain to me this. How can we leave that much gear? How did the Taliban get their hands on $4 million drones and Black Hawk helicopters and armor and everything else? How did that happen? 
Well, hey, well, thanks for having me. First off, Jesse. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, and, and and as a side, I'm 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 pissed like everyone else who served there about how this ended. But I will say this: trying to picture a Talib who I'm very familiar with, try and fly a drone or a helicopter is 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 does provide some comic relief in this. But you know, to your question, I mean, look, this is something that is not that surprising. And and the reason it happened is one, we do stupid things as the US government, right? We always do. We we, we decide we're gonna leave this. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna leave this building and, and and let's let's blow it up or let's do this. We do we do things that just don't seem to make sense. But I think what happened here is this is another case of DC not listening to people on the ground, which I experienced for the better part of my adult life, you know, working with them both there in Iraq, is they never they wanted to hear what they wanted to hear, not what was actually happening. And and this is something, you know, they, they, you, we've heard these estimates, right? Intel saying, oh, it's going to be 90 days. And, and the Pentagon saying literally 24 hours before the flag came down and everyone bolted from the embassy, things are calm and cobble. It's like, no, guys, it's not. It's not at all. Ghani's been working behind the scenes with his Pashtun buddies. He's already he had struck a deal a long time ago to let the Taliban come in. And it caught everyone off guard. They didn't want to hear that. No, they're our partners. And, and this has been in the works for a long time. They haven't been sending support to the provinces to let the people we trained fight back. Now, granted, some of them did just throw down their arms, but a lot of them haven't gotten the support they needed. Uh, people were bought off. So it's just way more complex. But again, D.C. didn't hear that. And that's why they got caught with their pants down. And this happened so fast. And you have all that equipment left over. Okay, Drew, who is paying off who? Who are striking these deals? I mean, the Taliban control more territory now than they did back in 2001. What, what, how did that happen? Who is, who's, who's doing this negotiating? Who's doing the bribing? How'd this happen? Well, so you've got, you've got passion. So first of all, it's very tribal there for the people who are listening, which you know I think most of them know and are educated in your audience, but it's very tribal. And and the Pashtuns have been have been dealing with this you know forever, working on this plan. I should say forever, across the border into Pakistan, dealing with insurgents in, in different areas. And they because they knew this day was coming where we would leave. And if they were smart, they probably knew we'd screw screw it up because we usually do, particularly when we're leaving somewhere. But they 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 Donnie put uh, his Pashtun literally family members and other close tribe members from the Pashtun tribe in key positions all over the country. They were doing this, and then and then they would, whether it was them or the Taliban, they would pay people off to just let people come through, let the Taliban come through. Hey, don't worry about this. We're going to take care of you. We're going to take control if you if it's against your your uh, your conscience or what have you. Let let these dollars help you and your family kind of get past that. So this this then it's the reason that it was a cakewalk um, for them, not just in Kabul and everywhere else, but across the country. So they had that, again, they had people who wanted to fight back but couldn't fight back because they didn't have the resources they need, which obviously puts them in an impossible position. And then the people that could have stopped it, you know, whether it's a local, you know, sure, whether it's a local uh, official there, just let them walk on through and didn't do anything because they, they'd already gotten their payday. Is the country pro-Taliban, Drew? Not that I think that matters. They're clearly the best fighting force there now that we're gone, so they're going to have the country anyway. But are they pro-Taliban, anti-Taliban? I can't imagine the Taliban are too ha- are popular with the ladies. No, no, absolutely not. They're not popular with the younger generation. The, the, the trick is, and part of the problem is it, it, why we're here, is because our government and people who have been dealing with high-level Afghans for the longest time are dealing with these old-school Afghans who were trained by the Russians, have been trained by Iranians, they've been trained by all these people. They're for rent, not for sale, and they've always just done what they can to protect themselves. They want to have the control. They are more complicit and more in line with the Taliban. 
No, they won't always say that, but they are because they're of the same tribe of the same mindset. And then you've got other people who will push back. So all that to answer your question, I mean, again, it's a complicated country because there's so many tribes. They all hate each other. They don't really see themselves as Afghans as much as they do, you know, Pashtun, Tajik, Hazara, you name it. But there's a large part of the country who hates the Taliban, hates what they stand for, does obviously not want the oppression, you know, doesn't want what they do to the women, to the children, to, to really just the, the community writ large. And I think you're going to start to see that push back. And I've seen you tweet about it, and I know I have too. It's going to get really messy because of that, because you've got Masood's son, who's, who's bringing the Northern Alliance back up. You've got Dostum, General Dostum, who's like, screw this. I'm not siding with anyone anymore. We're just killing Taliban and going to stop people from coming through. And if they actually go through with what they've said, which I think that they will, this is going to be a really nasty scene there. And it's going to show that the people writ large do not want the Taliban in power. To your point, they are the stronger fighting force in mass, but it's going to be really ugly. It's going to be really interesting to watch. Okay. All right. We're going to pause on this because we're speaking with Drew Berquist. He is the host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist, and this is a lot of information people do not know. People out there think the Taliban are going to have the whole of Afghanistan, as you just brought up the Northern Alliance and whatnot. Can you describe the Northern Alliance for people who just got here from Mars and don't know what it is? Yeah, so you had the Northern Alliance fight against the Taliban before, led by Massoud, who, who's, who's now, of course, dead. A lot of people have seen that in films and documentaries. Great fighter. We worked with them early on when we came back. Um, and now his son, also Massoud. Um, they, they love to keep the name simple over there and just kind of keep it in the family. But also Masood is, is of, that, of, that, of that same mindset and of that tribe. And he's, he's saying, look, Ghani and the Pashtuns have kept us out of power. They've kept us out of these key positions. They've kept us out of the national conversation writ large. Of course, they make it seem like they're including them at points. But when the rubber meets the road, they always leave them out on the outside looking in. So they're fed up with this. They know um, that they don't have the support that they needed before. They know they're certainly not going to get it from their tribal enemies. So they're at a point now where you've got groups like that led by Massoud and some of these other old school generals who have enough kind of clout that they're almost their own damn tribe because uh, they've got so many people and followers behind them. And they're just fed up because they've, they've had a voice at the table for a long, long time before when we were there. And then as things have changed and some of these passions have taken power, people that we've put into power have gotten cocky and have started talking with the highest bidder who could be the Taliban or it could be this country or that country. Um, it just, it, it starts to drive more and more wedges. And now that we're gone, these people are desperate. So it's either they live under Taliban rule or they, or they push back and they fight back. And that's what I think you're going to see. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of them are in the Panjshir right now, kind of, you know, licking their wounds and figuring out what's next. I think you're going to see some, some moves that, that become pretty interesting here. And again, the media probably won't report on it because um, of COVID, but you're, you're going to see some interesting stuff happening over there. And it's going to, it's going to get nasty. It's going to get violent, the stuff that, that you're going to see. I mean, never listen. At any time the Taliban says, like, oh, we're not going to drag people out. They're already dragging people out. They're already taking young girls to be, to be brides. Uh, they're doing everything they used to do. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's a nasty situation. Okay, Drew, I, I want to, by the way, I, I'm sorry for having to do this live on the air, but this is such good information people don't know. All they get is talking points. Is there any way you can stay for one more segment after this one? Let's do it. All right. I, I'm going to keep Drew Berquist on here, but I have one more question, Drew. Uh, describe for me the Northern Alliance. Are their values different than the Taliban? I mean, do women have to wear a trash bag at the Northern Alliance? Yeah, well, no, no, not yet, not yet of the, of the answer. I mean, 
they, look, they are they are different than we are, but they are they are most certainly different than the Taliban are in okay. terms of their values. You know, okay. they're they're not going to they're not going to they're going to have some stuff that seems strict and over the top to us, but they're not going to in, enforce a type of Sharia law that you're going to see from the Taliban. that's okay. going to be brutal towards these women. They they've enjoyed what they've had. And, and a lot of the people have, too, who maybe aren't even a part of these groups. I mean, what they've had the past 20 years, like, oh, this this freedom that the Americans gave us because of the kind of blanket of security that's been around us is nice. So a lot of people are going to push back. OK. All right. Well, we will be right back with more. Drew Berquist, former CIA host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist, explaining what's going on on the ground. But first and foremost, listen to me. It's dangerous out there. This is a true story. Husband and wife driving home from dinner one night, stop at a red light, surrounded by an angry, violent mob. How much of that did you see after uh, in the last year and a half? Husband gets dragged from the car. They get the door open. They're dragging the husband from the car, but he manages to get his hands on the thing that saved his life, the Hero 2020 non-lethal weapon. He shoots his attacker twice in the chest, Non-lethal, so it unleashes this powerful, brutally powerful pepper chemical irritant. Attackers have to back off. They're debilitated. Husband and wife to this day sleep soundly, alive, and safe in their beds at night because of Hero 2020. Go to Hero2020.com. That's Hero2020.com. Use the coupon code KELLY. That'll get you a special discount. Remember, state law restrictions may apply. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com It is the Jesse Kelly Show. We are doing a rare second segment with my buddy Drew Berquist, former CIA counterterrorist guy, host of This Is My Show with Drew Berquist. Drew, okay, so I was under the impression everything I've heard is that this thing is basically a foregone conclusion for the Taliban. You sound like you're saying we're more close to a civil war than a complete Taliban takeover. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think that the terminology needs to be set. I think there's going to be a civil war. Is it going to be an epic one? And then we see regions broken off and you've got, you know, this group over here in the north. And we've, we've got, you know, perhaps Pakistan trying to grab something. Uh, all that's TBD. I mean, for right now, we've given the Taliban what they want, and they control, as you said earlier in the last segment, more than they've con- controlled in a long, long time. So I-, I don't know how fast it's going to get to that point. And again, it comes down to the will of the people. What I'm hearing from people who are still there on the ground is that the Northern Alliance, Dostum, and others are willing and wanting to fight back, and they're not going to do this because it's either it's either that or they live under the thumb of the Taliban yet again, which is obviously something they don't want to do. So I think it is going to get physical. It is going to get nasty there. How fast it does and to what scale is, is TBD. Drew, the equipment, the equipment they're currently by all, it looks like we're hearing they're driving it to Iran. I'm sure China will be in the market of the equipment that Taliban are now in possession of that was basically just handed over by the people we trained. Is this equipment the uh, the Iranians don't currently have? I mean, technology they currently have. What I want to know is, is this a gigantic intelligence win for countries like China and Iran? Well, I think it is, but I think also you've got to keep in mind for, for both of them, or China in particular, one of the things they are most aggressive about, 
especially when it comes towards the U.S., is going after our technology. So, you know, they, they have access to a lot of stuff. And a lot of the stuff that we gave, and typically, so the stuff that we left behind, there's kind of two pockets, right? The stuff that we left behind that was ours, used by U.S. personnel, is better stuff. We give usually a step down to our partners, uh, and we'll give them some really good stuff, but we give them a step down. So the night vision goggles might be a step down. Your, your rifle um, setup is a step down. But in most cases, some of the special operations groups we train get some better stuff. But a lot of the stuff they're getting is, is important. It's better than they've ever had, certainly at the Taliban level, the Afghan level, uh, some of the, these villagers who are going to have it. Um, but I think in terms of Iran and China, there's not – nothing is that crazy that they don't have. I mean, Iran has, has been working on getting drones. Some of that is probably the most devastating. Uh, some of the helicopters that are there um, – would probably be the next, you know, step up from that or the next step down, rather. Um, but but a lot of the stuff that we do give them is is not like the tricked out, most amazing stuff. So it's our stuff that we left that is of concern. Okay, Drew, you mentioned the drones earlier and laughing about the Taliban trying to operate them. I, I'm going to ask a stupid question because that's what I do. Can they fly helos? So, so I'll tell you kind of a funny story. We trained in, in, a, in a roundabout way of answering your question. Most of them, of course, know. There are people that have been trained to helos, uh, trained to fly helos, whether they have flipped sides and are on the side of the Taliban now or not, it's TBD. We trained, not me specifically, of course, you don't want me flying a helicopter, but <laughs> we trained a group that did, and they got decent but got grounded uh, because they were all drinking too much. I didn't understand that that wasn't a good mix. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I get... You know, they're not used to having scotch and stuff over there. You give the commander scotch. And it's like, okay, bro, you got to stop drinking because you're going to fly a bunch of people in a few hours here. So we had to ground them. But, but I think that there are, to answer your question, there are some. They have been on our side up until this point. Whether they have flipped is, is to be determined. I'm sure that there are some. They certainly can find someone who can teach them. Um, but I think it's going to be funny to watch. Those are going to be some funny training videos. Drew, in two minutes as best you can, what did we do wrong in Afghanistan? Well, we got into so so we we crushed it early on. We did great. We stuck on mission, and then we got on into nation building like we always do, which is a huge problem. It's it's a it's a huge suck on money, time, resources, and of course lives. Um, but I think we because of that, because we stayed there, we lost the will of our people. Um, so much got just confusing. It got muddy. And, and, and towards the end here, again, we didn't listen to our people on the ground. And, and that's always a huge problem. It's always been a huge problem, always will be a huge problem. Um, so, you know, we, when it comes to the end here, too, I get that we wanted to get out. I think there's people, there's people who wanted to withdraw, have been wanting to withdraw forever. There's people who think we need to stay there. There's people who think maybe we need a contingency there. Regardless of which part of the spectrum you land on there, I think what we have to understand is, we did this wrong. Like this was an absolute, you couldn't have scripted a worst, a worst ending to, to this whole campaign uh, and, and all that we did there, whether we should have been there that long or not, this was absolutely catastrophic. Drew Berquist, everybody. He's the host of this is my show with Drew Berquist. Drew, thank you so much, my brother, for making it smarter than I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me. There you have it. Let's not, Let's not lose focus, though, because we have fish to fry here at home. And, yes, I will take a couple phone calls tonight. You know the rules.
Don't say hi to me. Don't ask me how I am. Don't bore the United States of America with small talk. When I go to you, get to your point. 877-377-4373. We got some e- emails. Dear Shogun, how many times on average does cl- does Chris flip you off during the show? I would say two or three per show. Last show, I forget exactly what I did. He threw a big wad of paper at me. But I think two or three, generally two or three on the show, which I don't know what his problem is. He's the luckiest person on earth. Would you say that's fair, Chris? What, Chris? I'd say, I would say being in my presence for three hours a day makes him the luckiest person on earth. So I don't, it's not my fault if he's ungrateful. All right, 877-377-4373. We'll do some emails and some phone calls and a big deal we're not paying attention to. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly show on a Monday. Ah, that was that was a lot of Afghanistan talk. Much more than we've done in a while. We're we're a late stage republic. It is what it is. Let's get to some emails. Jesse, you nailed it on Thursday. Chris, what did I say on Thursday? It doesn't matter. It was probably brilliant. 1954 was the last year we did anything right overseas. Look, the truth is, I, I, I keep beating this point, but I want you to understand, this all begins at home, and it all begins in America's education system. In 1954, yes, we still had a bunch of politicians who were sociopaths. And yeah, we had a bunch of generals who, who were careerists and things like that. But at America's heart and soul, the people who led its cultural institutions, both political parties, believe it or not, FBI, CIA, the corporations especially, they were patriots with love of country. You, you, when I say the words CIA to you, you probably, there's, there's at least a 50% chance, you probably think about all these super smart America first policy guys trying to figure out, they're sitting in a room right now, huddled around some satellite pictures of some some Chinese plant, and they're figuring out how to infiltrate it and blow it up. It's full of a bunch of Ivy Leaguers who hate the United States of America. That's that's a tough pill to swallow, because you want to believe there are experts in charge. We have people who love the country and know a bunch of stuff. You should see, you know what, I'm going to get my hands on it. I have my hands on it once. You should see the entrance exam for the FBI. One of my buddies, I can't name him now. He was a former FBI, former Navy SEAL guy. I just don't have his permission to name him. I'm sure he'd be okay with it, but I don't want to do it without his permission. Went from the SEALs into the FBI. And he, he really wanted to get into the FBI. And he had a buddy who was already in tell him, hey, when you take the test... Make sure you answer all the questions like you're a college liberal, okay? And he did. He answered all the questions opposite to his values, ace the test right into the FBI. You think you have these experts somewhere looking out for you, and all this political stuff will be over soon. But you don't. You don't. Again, I'll take some phone calls in a second as long as you don't screw it up. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. Let's get to a couple more emails here. 
Oh, handsome Oracle. Oh, this will be good. I got turned on to you not long ago. I then proceeded to marathon your past shows. Time flies when I listen to your show. A good friend came over Friday for a few beers and steaks. As time for your show was approaching, I told him that special entertainment was coming. In the past, both of us have done State of the Union drinking games. I came up with some rules on the fly to challenge my buddy. Oh, boy. I'm not recommending this for anyone at home. Let me clarify. <clears throat> one drink would be needed if I said commie or anything related. <laughs> one, one drink if I called a woman a dime. One if I mentioned Chris. One if I mentioned a known political figure or praised a caller. Then the kicker was to take a bite from a jalapeno pepper every time someone ruined a call or every time you said, what, Chris? <laughs> we both had a blast, and his wife was upset because he, he was irresponsible and stayed the night. <laughs> he signs it, stay handsome, and he says I can say his name. His name is Mike from Charleston. I'm not encouraging anyone to play that game, but if you should end up playing the game, it wouldn't hurt to email the show and update us on how you did. And don't forget, if you miss any part of the show, the whole thing's on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating. Leave a review talking about how handsome I am. We have a bunch of new ones already. This one's called A.S. Muy Guapo. Chris, you don't speak Mexican. That means is very handsome. Anyway, the review is to the most handsome of handsome. Show is very entertaining. Keep doing what you do. Next one is most handsome jarhead ever. See, that's perfect. As a Marine Corps veteran, I don't mention other men's looks, but in this case, I have no choice. Jesse is by far the most handsome man ever. Almost as good looking as Chesty Puller. <laughs> Chris, do you have the Frito Bandito song? Go ahead and grab that for me, please, because this one is called Senor Handsome Kelly. Even though I hate him for getting the Frito Bandito song stuck in my head, his extreme handsomeness and community college intellect has won me over. Love the show and love the history shows too. Chris, it's Frito Bandito time, my man. Welcome America in with some Frito Bandito. I am the Frito Bandito. I like Fritos corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Fritos corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 oh, I am the Frito Bandito, give me Fritos corn chips and I'll be your friend, the Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Oh, my, it's my, so beautiful. I don't know why people get so mad at us. Look, I probably won't play it again. Oh, I'm totally playing it again. 100%. <laughs> How times have changed. All right. I hope you're ready, callers. As you know, the hook comes quick and viciously. No highs, no how are yous. Get right to your point. Johnny, go. My Staff Sergeant Youngest Son was deployed as a specialist in 2017 to the Middle East, where they set a world record sending 2,525 rockets at ISIS and the structures they'd occupied. They turned them into pebbles. Not rubble that could be used by snipers, but they totally destroyed them under Trump's orders. Scorched earth policy is the only way to win a war. Amen. Outstanding phone call. Outstanding phone call. The only way to win a war. Danny, 
in Spokane. Go. It's all on to the sheriff of each county to round up all the illegal aliens that Biden's dumping in them. And our governor in Washington is dumping in ours. Uh, I don't know if I should say the county, but we ought to just round them all up. The cheapest thing to do would be to put them on a bus, provide an escort, and drop them off at 1600 What kind of escort? Are you talking about Kamala Harris? Thank you for the call, Danny. I appreciate it. We're going to move on. And and Gregory, go. And Gregory got the hook. On to Danny's question, I should mention. Here's a headline for you. The Epic Times, Homeland Security ignoring congressional requests for info on where illegal immigrants are being sent. Now, I am not some super-duper journalist or spy with sources everywhere. I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not pretending to be that guy. But because of what I do for a living, you end up with a friend here, a friend there, someone who knows this, someone who knows that. And I share that information with you every time I get it. I don't get it and hoard it. I get it and hoard it. <laughs> what, Chris? Sorry. Anyway, I don't have anyone who can tell me, nobody who can give me guidance where they're dropping the hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants coming into the United States of America. Nobody can give me this information. We know they're taking them in. We know they're being processed and immediately handed over to a Catholic charity somewhere. We know they're being bussed around the United States of America. What we don't know, where? And they're not responding to congressional requests. Homeland Security is getting requests from, from, from congressmen, and they're saying, ah, we're busy. We don't know. Are we not able to access any honest information anymore in this country? If even your congressman, if even my congressman can't find out where we're dropping off 100,000, 200,000, a million illegal immigrants, eh, it's kind of a problem, right? All right, we're not quite done yet. We'll get to some more emails. We'll get to some more stories. Oh, this China thing. There's there's just a misunderstanding about the way the world works. We're going to go over it. But first and foremost, some good news. That's enough bad news. Good news. Sale of the year. I have the sale of the year for you. Giza Dream Sheets from MyPillow, the best sheets ever. Everyone knows they're the best sheets ever. I had buddies tell me about them before I even bought some. Right now, half off. Half off. It's for a limited time only, but half off. You have to go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, and use the code JESSE. If you do that, you can get Giza Dream Sheets as low as $49.99. $49.99. I promise you, you will enjoy them. Go get yourself a pillow. Get the wife some pajamas. Get yourself some slippers. Go to my pillow and enjoy it all. And remember... While other corporations in the country spend all their time and money dumping on this place now, MyPillow's out there fighting for you and fighting for me. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener specials, get your Giza Dream Sheets with the promo code JESSE, half off. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. It is 
the Jesse Kelly Show, and yes, it's a Monday and a bit of a heavier one. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna? This is the hand we've been dealt. You and I, we don't get to look. We wouldn't have wanted to be here for the revolution, right? You wouldn't have wanted to be here for the American Revolution. That would have sucked. One, there's no air conditioning, and that's maybe the most important thing. Two, there's no Mexican food here. We were still fighting the Mexicans. We wouldn't have wanted to live in those times. In all seriousness, this is the period we've been given. God only gives you 70, 80 years. It ain't a guarantee they're going to be the same as your parents had. We were late-stage empire. You don't have experts in anything. You have a rotted out system, rotted to the core. You have a rotted out CIA, military, political structure, and all that sucks, but there's peace in knowing that's what you have. So many people are mad about Biden today, stepping up to the microphone, coming back from vacation, giving a 10-minute speech that sucked, where he blamed Trump. I mean, do you have any of that thing, Chris? Play some of that Biden speech here in a second. You, you blamed Trump. He blamed the Afghan people, said he did the right thing, and he turned around and walked away. And people are so mad. I get being mad. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. That's what we have now. We have a doddering old fool of a president. You will be happy to know he and Kamala Harris are currently at each other's throats about this whole thing, though. At each other's throats about the whole thing. So, yeah. In case you're wondering why they're at each other's throats, well, Joe Biden wanted Kamala Harris to stand with him today for the speech, and she wouldn't do it. <laughs> Kamala Harris, Chris is raising his hands. She doesn't want to be part of those optics, man. She doesn't want to be part of those optics. Oh, Chris, please tell me you have that bit from MSNBC. <laughs> Play this, please. Pete, what do we know about this? Well, DHS says this new terrorism advisory is not based on any actual threats or plots, but it says there's a rise in anti-government rhetoric. Some of it is opposition to COVID public health rules like mask and vaccine measures. At a time of foreign policy failure, the Department of Homeland Security, they've elevated the terror threat. They're worried about people who are upset about lockdowns. That's Look, it's a broken administration. It's- and I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers, of being, quote, woke or something else. I'm offended. Oh, good. That's, that's the guy we want on the Joint Chiefs. <laughs> what a sissy. And you know what's terrible? Is watching these men throw away these storied, awesome careers for this. General Milley was a warrior. Go look up his service record. Oh, yeah, Chris said, really? Dude, dude is a Green Beret, a decorated combat veteran. But it just happens. You're around for long enough. You get those general stars on your shoulders. You get used to having a driver and a secretary and a staff and international travel and all these things. And so the new administration comes in and they want you to go over and talk about, oh, I want to understand white rage. Then that's what you do. Not because you believe in it, because you want your pension. So many people in rotting systems in late-stage republics, so many of the people you need to step up to save them don't do it simply because it's easier to just go along. Name me name me this. Here's something for you. A little homework assignment. I think I'll dig into this tonight because actually I don't know the answer to the question, which means I probably shouldn't ask it on the air, but I'm asking it anyway. Name the active duty general who has stepped up vocally in the last 20 years, not somebody caught, caught privately, somebody who publicly stepped up 
and said, what we're doing in Afghanistan is wrong and this is a mistake. Name me the general. Okay? If you can't name me the general, that's funny because you just spent forever telling me how patriotic all these guys are. None of them seem to be patriotic enough to give up the pension, though, do they? Let's get to some emails. Jesse, I found you through BK, so on and so forth. What do we do once these mandates hit our school systems? It's going to be a weird fall. Okay, I've had this question before, and actually I should bring this up because I'm brewing on something. I haven't made a decision on how I'm going to approach it yet, but I'm brewing on something. I was having a private conversation with a friend over the weekend. His kids are stuck going to one of these schools where they're requiring masks. He and his wife are not at a place right at the exact moment where he can just yank them out. He was desperate. He wanted to talk to me about potentially doing something organizing some kind of national unmasking thing, some kind of national peaceful protest of some kind. I am currently considering it. No, I don't have a plan yet. And here's my problem for not having a plan yet. I could do it only on the radio show and only on my TV show. Premier would let me do it. And my TV show, it's on the first TV every single night, 9 p.m. Eastern. They would let me do it, too. They're both, by the grace of God, they let me say whatever I want. The question is, do I move that organization on to social media? Because it would just get censored out and it would all go down the drain. They would probably just delete it or suspend me or something, which I don't care if they suspend me. It doesn't have anything to do with my career. I don't care if all that stuff goes away. But are they going to be able to silence it? I'm currently trying to figure out how to organize it. That's a long way of me saying I'm trying to figure out how to organize some form of statement that you and I can make. Because people, they don't want masks on their kids. Coronavirus is not a risk for your child. It's not. That's not even, that's not even crazy to say. That's not even slightly controversial. All the data says your child is not at risk from coronavirus, like at all. The risk is microscopic. There's no reason for your child to be wearing a mask in school. And parents know this now. Parents know this now, and they want it all to stop. But here's the thing. Most people, because they're not as into politics as you, and they're not as into politics as me, they they can only see the tip of the iceberg. Right now, parents, they see the mask requirements. They're mad about it. They don't want little Timmy to wear a mask. Okay, got it. What they're missing, though, is you're run by a bunch of communist control freaks. They get off on making your kid wear a mask. These people, I've tried to explain, these people, the way they think. Uh, Stalin's actually a great example of this because they're communists, just like Stalin was. Stalin's a great example of this. Stalin killed, as you know, during the Great Purge and the Great Terror and all these various things where he would kill people in his own party and then kill random peasants and and kill this and kill that, and he would issue all these orders to have people killed. Sometimes they would just be blanket orders where he would tell the NKVD, that's the KGB, the state police, he would tell them, go to this region and kill 100,000 people. Not specific people, just you have a quota, go go kill 100,000 people. But there's something about Stalin that will help you understand the mindset of all the people who are issuing all these lockdowns and mass mandates and all these mandates and all these rules that don't seem to make sense to you. You can't understand what are they getting out of it? These are unpopular. They're getting yelled at. 
This doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? Why are they doing it? I'm going to tell you a wee little story about Stalin next that will help you understand these people. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday. I mean, look, we were we were talking about mass mandates and mass mandates for schools and whatnot. By the way, if you missed Drew Berquist, the CIA counterterrorist guy, I actually kept him on for two segments. When have you ever heard me do that? I kept him on for two segments. He was breaking down some knowledge on Afghanistan. You're not hearing other places, the way the country's set up and possible opposition to the Taliban and all that. So if you missed that, go to iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star rating while you're there and a review talking about how handsome I am, Chris. Back to the story about Stalin. Stalin has people killed all the time. Everyone knows. Millions and millions and millions of them. We'll never know how many because he murdered them all and then burned all the records, as communists mostly do. Well, Stalin, he personally signed the death warrant of over 40,000 of them. Now, he would issue these huge quotas and all this. So he didn't care about who died. It's just when I say personally, I mean Stalin holding a pen in his hand, signing his name beside the death warrant of somebody. Somebody. Stalin would, because we still have some of these records, Stalin would on occasion, he would write an insult about the person by his signature. Now, it's not like there was a special insult section or something like that. Stalin, would you care to comment before we go shoot him in the face? He just did it. Why? What sense does that make? You're, you, you signed it. You're a horrible person. You go have them killed. What? Why add something to it? Because he could. People who are twisted and disgusting... And they've been consumed by cultural Marxism, like all the people on our school boards and the people who teach in our universities and our doctors and half of our military and everything. All these people who are consumed by this, they're consumed by the idea of control. You have to understand that. And it doesn't have to be specific control for something you care about or something they care about. It can be anything as long as they have you under control. Why would they point to kids who aren't at any risk of coronavirus and say, all of you, wear a mask? I don't care that you're crying. I don't care that it's dirty. I don't care about the science. I don't care about anything. Wear the mask. Microscopic virus or not, wear the mask. Why would they do that? Why? It doesn't make sense. It does make sense when you understand they do it simply because they can. People will do things simply because they can. They're finding, America's communists, they've found over the last year and a half, sadly, they've found that they have a lot more power than they ever thought they found. If I told you, if I told you two years ago, let's call it three, three years ago, we're not talking ancient history. If I told you three years ago, we would have governors in the United States of America Step up to the microphone and say, your industry, close it. You're done. Your industry's done. You're not even essential. You, you're allowed to stay open, but for limited hours, I'll let you know when. You, you're done. You would have said, Jesse, you're such an over-the-top idiot. That could never happen here. This is America. That would never happen here. If I told you three years ago a pastor had church 
and was placed in handcuffs and thrown in jail for it in the United States of America, you'd say, oh, gosh, here you go, being over the top. These people have conducted themselves this way because it's like they just found a brand new pet. They just got a new puppy. Oh, my gosh. Look at all this. Look at all this freedom I can crush. It's so cute. Let's see what I can do with it. Let's let's see how much fun I can have with it. What can I get away with? Why do you think nothing makes sense? Why do you think the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, why do you think they would issue an eviction moratorium? What? What does that have to do with a disease? That's a totally I don't understand. I know you don't understand because you don't understand how they think. You know why they did it? Because they could. Because these people, they've discovered, oh my goodness, if I just make them scared enough, I can do whatever I want to them. And that doesn't make us unique. It's sad we chose that route. It's sad the answer wasn't immediately no, right, when they told us to do something. But people, that's how people operate. People, when you make them scared, when you make people afraid, you can get them to do anything. The most barbaric, horrific things done by this person to that person throughout the history of mankind, some of the most barbaric things were simply from making people scared. Just make people scared enough. You get them to do whatever you want. Dear Jesse, I have two reasons to email you. In discussing the Vietnam War Friday, you said the South Vietnamese thought their government sucked. Are you sure? That certainly was the popular narrative in the U.S. press among certain powerful people in the JFK administration. But was it true? Have you read the book, The Lost Mandate of Heaven? No, I've not read that book, but it was true. Their government did suck. Now, not all of them hated it, but a lot of them did. That's part of the reason communism took hold there. Now, it was a lot better than the dirty commies who took over, but... This is See, this is what we're running into right now, actually, in the United States of America. People are so dissatisfied with the current system that they don't want to hear about principles. They don't want to hear about right and wrong. They don't just get rid of the current scumbags. Governments throughout history have gone through this. Even if the idea of the government is right, it can become so corrupted That the people don't want to hear about, I just want to tweak this or tweak that. People want it gone. People want it gone. You're going to see real political upheaval in this country. Anyway, number two. Until you said it the other night, I was the only one who knew of, or I thought I was the only one who knew Donald Trump not being reelected probably saved his life. That he may very well have been assassinated and he won a second term. Tip of the hat to you for being willing to say that. Keep laying it on the line. Good work. He said I can say his name on the air. His name's John from Omaha. Look, I said what I said because it's true. The The history of the world is corrupted systems taking over governments like we have. And then system disruptors will eventually rise. And system disruptors oftentimes get killed by the system itself because the system will abide by a lot of things It'll abide by virtually anything. There are no human rights abuses it won't abide by. There's nothing the system won't put up with except for challenges to the system itself. You can't threaten to throw a monkey wrench within the system or it will reject it. It will reject it, and oftentimes it rejects it violently. I honestly, it's something I said before Trump even took office the first time, and that was back when I wasn't a Trump fan. I'm a fan now because I thought he was a very good president. 
But that was even before Trump took office. I said, look, this is the guy challenging trade deals. This is guy challenging the sweetheart immigration system. You tick off enough wealthy, powerful people, things can happen to you. I'm glad he got out. What's keeping the ta- this is another email. What's keeping the Taliban from entering the U.S. South border now and starting terrorist attacks within our countries? Okay, one understand something about Taliban. Taliban are very, very, very bad human beings. No question about it. They're these strict Sharia law types, treat women like cattle, all that garbage. However, Taliban are not a foreign terrorist organization. They are not. They're happy to work with foreign terrorist organizations. They've oftentimes fought foreign terrorist organizations in the past. Taliban don't have a desire to come here across our southern border. They simply wanted to take Afghanistan. That's what they're doing. But you bring up an excellent point. Who is coming across our southern border? Who is? You know what I just heard from one of my buddies at Border Patrol? I'll tell you in a second. Miss something? There's a podcast. Get it on demand wherever podcasts are found. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and I'm going to get to headlines I didn't get to in just a moment. But first and foremost, a couple things. I had a Border Patrol buddy of mine say, we have not had this many potential terror suspects detained at the southern border in decades. Remember, we have a southern border wide open right now. Set the Taliban stuff aside. I think you and I, because the news moves so fast and there's always something new new bad news to think about, right? You and I forget how horrible all that ISIS and Al-Qaeda stuff was. Setting off nail bombs at children's concerts. and just, We forget about those images, don't we? We forget about Nice. We forget about that theater in Paris. We forget how terrible that was. We're going to remember if something terrible happens here, we will. Now, there's an Army veteran. I believe he's an Army veteran. I know he's a veteran called Max Zeller. He just went on MSNBC. They were in the middle of praising Joe Biden for that jerkwater speech. I'm going to play you. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll play you a minute of this, which is longer than I normally go. But it's three minutes long, and it's worth you listening to every word of it. Chris is going to put it up on the show's Twitter account if he doesn't screw that up like he screws up everything else. At Jesse Kelly Show. Is that it, Chris? At Jesse Kelly Show. Go to the show's Twitter account. Listen to this takedown. Ouch. I'm curious to hear your reaction of this consequential speech by the American president. Didn't run from it. He owned it. He owned his decision. He owned the fact that, as he put it, the buck stops with him. I hope he gets to own their deaths, too. I, I don't I feel like I watched a different speech than the rest of you guys. I was appalled. There was such a profound, bold faced lie in that speech. The idea that we plan for every contingency. I have been personally trying to tell this administration since it took office. I've been trying to tell our government for years that this was coming. We sent them plan after plan on how to evacuate these people. Nobody listened to us. They didn't plan for the evacuation of our Afghan wartime allies. They're trying to conduct it now at the 11th hour. The thing that they were most concerned about was the optics of a chaotic evacuation. 
Well, they got exactly what they were most concerned of by failing to do what was right when we could have done it. We had all the people and equipment in place to be able to save these people months ago, and we did nothing. I'm appalled that he thinks we only need to take 2,000 people. There's 86,000 people who are currently left behind in Afghanistan alone. We've identified all of them for the government. I have no idea why they, 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 he claims that people don't want to leave Afghanistan. I have a list of 14,000 names right now of people who want to get out of Afghanistan. And the idea that the Afghan He doesn't stop. He's going to keep going. It's just a little long for me to play here. Believe me, you're going to see it. It's being played everywhere. It's a pretty brutal takedown. I should note, and I'm sure this will be wildly offensive like everything else I do on the show, uh, we don't need to be taking in 30,000 to 40,000, 50,000 Afghanis either. Not into the United States of America. No. No. You know why? Because I don't believe you will vet them properly. That's why. And why don't I believe that? Because you don't do anything else right. So you watch. This is what's going to happen. Chris, write this down. This is going to happen. Look, you can write down another prediction, Chris. Write this down. I guarantee it. You're going to see in the coming days the administration try to throw a political Band-Aid on this huge political loser, and one of their Band-Aids is going to be, we're throwing open the door to 10,000, 20,000 Afghanis, and they're just going to allow these people to flood into the country. And guess who's going to come with them? Yeah, that's right. Radicals. Email. Can we please start can we please start celebrating what a visionary Joseph McCarthy was and how horribly is treated him for being right about the threat of communism? I don't know what you're talking about. Joseph McCarthy was a US senator who warned that the communists were infiltrating our education system in Hollywood. I mean, it's not like that happened. <laughs> this one's dear I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Dear, I make it a double. I make it a double when I want more meat. That's what he calls me. Always talking about my world famous burgers, Chris. He says, I always just assumed you smoked some weed with your buddies, but bacon in ice cream? Bro, you were a straight stoner with empty cabinets at some point. Keep up the great show, Shogun. Of course you can say my name. His name is Billy. Bacon on ice cream is good. Why won't people listen to me? Bacon? In a, well, I'm not asking you, Chris. I know you people can't eat it. I'm talking about everyone else who believes in Jesus. Bacon, when you get a salty and sweet, it's good. There's a candy bar out there. I know I'm going to support some communist country here. Take five, some communist company. Take five, whatever. It's peanut butter and chocolate and a pretzel. And it works so well because it's salty and sweet. Chris, you people can eat pretzels, right? There's no yeast or whatever in there. See? Dear Dr. Steele, should any country ever trust the United States again? Well, look, this is what happens. That what, What's happening is we lost so much face with this international embarrassment that at one point in time, at some point, we're going to want to fight some kind of a proxy war with one of our enemies. Almost undoubtedly, it'll be China. And we'll saddle up to somebody and say, hey, you know. We're going to help you out. We will stand there with you. Here's some men and equipment. No, we're not going to leave you hanging. You violate a lot of trust when you do things like this, and you look absolutely terrible. All right, let's get to a couple headlines I didn't get to here. Suburban school loses state recognition after saying masks would be optional this fall. The system doesn't allow you to challenge it without responding viciously. As you see more and more of the country push back against this insanity, 
you will see the system respond in kind. That's what I've been warning about here. The system's not going to respond and say, oh, gosh, you know, you're right. That was a little heavy-handed. We were wrong. The system's going to respond with punishment because that's what corrupt systems do. Headline, Chinese state media uses Afghanistan disaster to justify the takeover of Taiwan. I have had multiple foreign policy people I trust tell me Taiwan will go down before Joe Biden is out of office for specifically this reason. They think a bunch of naive, weak children are running the United States of America, and frankly, where are they wrong? Headline, Yale professor explains a constitutional amendment that the USA be governed by international law. One, remember... It's not just that your professors are all communists. It's that the best professors at the best schools who are teaching the leaders of tomorrow are are all communists. That's why we're in this situation. The next FBI director, senator, possibly U.S. president, he's getting educated at Harvard right now on just how bad America sucks. That's the problem we face. All right. That was a lot. That was a lot of Afghanistan talk. I have to be honest, unless something big happens in Afghanistan, I don't think I'm bringing it up again tomorrow. This is just too much. I want to focus on what really matters tomorrow. I want to focus on me. That's all. <laughs>